0: 114, and you may have noticed like whoa this is a thin packet usually there's a <laughs> there's a lot more here that's because uh it's a shorter psalm and then uh gonna be a a, a shorter abbreviated message but there's still so much here for us to rejoice in and i just kind of smiled when i was looking ahead and lining up the dates i saw this was on christmas morning because boy there's some things in here we can really uh reflect on in the lord's uh coming and his birth and again in his early childhood even uh maybe at first reading you won't see that but as we go through it i believe that you will and you will be blessed really the the crux of this psalm is israel when they were delivered out of egypt and we'll talk about that first of all we're going to talk about why they first went into egypt and then we'll see them delivered out of egypt and we'll see predominantly they were brought out of egypt and brought into judah and into israel where modern day israel is so that jesus would eventually be born there and come out of egypt to go to the cross of calvary for us so that we could come out of egypt in the scriptures egypt is generally a picture of the world it's a picture of us before christ and he came so that we could come out of egypt and be followers of christ and have the hope of eternal life beautifully uh it speaks here of israel coming out of egypt and then there's several scriptures here that talk about the response from the earth itself how the sea split the jordan split We get insight to information we don't actually get there in Exodus and Joshua that the mountains and the hills skipped as well and even the earth trembled when those things took place because of the presence of the Lord and then it speaks of even the Lord there in the wilderness turning the rock into water which we know in the New Testament it says that rock was Jesus himself and praise God another connection to us in Christ the Lord wants to pour out living waters through us. And so let's read the text together here. That's a little bit of where we're going. And then I hope and pray this morning you're ministered to and encouraged and, you know, uh, built up in the Lord Jesus as we look at this text and even see the gospel message in our, in our passage here. So verse 1, it says, When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language Judah became his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The sea saw it and fled. Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams. The little hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you fled? O Jordan, that you turned back. O mountains that you skipped like rams. O little hills like lambs. Tremble, O earth. And this is the key. This is what moved him at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool of water The flint into a fountain of waters. Now, again, we see here right off the bat when Israel went out of Egypt. So, for Israel to go out of Egypt, it means initially Israel went into Egypt. And we know God had a purpose and a reason in all of this with this people group that He had already covenanted with that through them the Savior of the world would. Come, Jesus Christ, who we even celebrate his birth on this day, and I know as followers of the Lord, we rejoice in his birth, his death, his resurrection every single day. But he had a reason for taking them from that land of Israel where they currently are, where the Lord will reign and rule forever once he comes back. He had a reason of taking them out and then taking them into Egypt and eventually taking them back out. And just a little side note. Listen, God always has a reason when he allows things to unfold in our lives. This isn't just happenstance that they went into Egypt and they came out of Egypt, especially when we're in covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our righteousness is established in him our goodness is established in him and there's a great confidence that comes with that and i think that you know confidence is such a valuable thing today in a world that just seems to be marked by uncertainty a world marked by fear and worry and so forth in the lord jesus christ we need not have that in fact when we do have that that's not a product of the lord that's not a product of the word of god of the holy spirit that's us leaning on our own our own understanding And I think it's a good thing to be reminded with as we finish this year out and start into the next one, the Lord willing, that all my steps are directed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can rejoice in that. Notice Psalm 37, 23, it says, the steps of a good man, and again, our goodness is established in the Lord himself. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. And look how encouragement these next words are though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Is that not good news? The Lord upholds his own. And even when we tumble down and fall, we've all been there before, he picks us back up. I think of the Proverbs where it says, a righteous man may fall seven times, but he rises again and we need to remember we rise again through the faithfulness of God almighty. And then I think as well of Jeremiah 29:11. What an awesome verse. I know the thoughts I have toward you says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And that was said said to Israel when they were going back into captivity way later on than this event that we're looking at because of their disobedience. But God was even allowing that to happen, to correct them, to get them back on course. And we have that confidence in the Lord that again, things don't just unfold and happen by chance. The Lord is going before us. The Lord orders our steps. Even when we get out of line, he orders our steps to get us back into line. We need to thank God for that He has a reason and a purpose in all the things unfolding before us. And it was the same with Israel. They first went into into Egypt for a reason and a purpose. We know that the Lord knew that a famine was soon going to come upon the Lamb. We know, again, Abraham had initially been the one that birthed the nation of Israel. Through faith, he believed, again, in that promise given back in Genesis that the Savior of the world was going to come. And he believed that through him, God would birth a nation that that Savior would come forth from. But again, God knew that a famine was going to come just a few generations later. We know he had a son Isaac, and Isaac had a son Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons. And remember, one of those sons, when there was 11, He was Jacob's favorite, and Jacob gave him that coat of many colors. He had prophetic gifts and so forth, and his other brothers, remember, grew jealous of him. They eventually turned on their brother, and they sold him into slavery. I mean, you talk about, you know, uh, uh, rivalries and so forth. This is like next level. They sell him into slavery, and he was the first to go down to Egypt. And boy, that looked like a very dark thing, and initially, indeed, it was. But God had a reason and a purpose in that. We know that Joseph spent about 10 years in prison. It was unfair from man's viewpoint, but God had a reason and a purpose in it. God was raising him up to be a deliverer of Egypt through that famine that was going to come. Really, a type of Christ, as He is our deliverer. We know God gave him a prophetic gift to interpret dreams. He interpreted some dreams in prison, and then later on, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had some dreams that really disturbed him and troubled him deeply. Remember, it was about five fat cows, and or excuse me, seven fat cows and seven fat stalks of corn, and then seven skinny cows and skinny stalks of corn who came up after them, and they devoured the fat cows and the fat corns, and yet they still remained skinny. And he was so troubled by this. And he says, I need someone to interpret this dream. And then those that the one man that Joseph had interpreted his dream, he remembered. He had said already I'll put in a good word for Pharaoh, but once he got out He forgot about that. That ever happened to you? You're not the first one. It's biblical. And so then he comes to Pharaoh and says, look, there's going to be seven years of abundance followed by seven years of incredible famine. So save up, you know, right now the grain and the corn and so forth so that you can survive that. And then from there, we know that Joseph was moved from being a lowly prisoner to being second in command over Egypt. As Pharaoh says, I need someone to oversee this who I can trust, who can come in, and who who can manage this. And God just gave him favor. We know eventually, again, the years of famine came. And his father and brothers were still up north. That famine began to hit them. And we read the account in Genesis, a few chapters long, how the brothers came down, and eventually Joseph reveals himself to them. And then Jacob is told by God, I want you to go down to Egypt and dwell down there, even though it was a foreign land, as we read here in the Psalms, and they'd be in the midst of a strange language. But God said, "I'm going to make you a mighty nation." And we read in the Bible about seventy of them. Israel was about seventy people. He moved them all down to Egypt. God had a reason and a purpose in all of it. Even again, in selling uh, of Joseph into jail, eventually later on. Joseph would say this in Genesis fifty twenty. but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day to save many people alive. God had a plan. We need to remember that. We need to remember that when trials and tribulations come forth. The Bible says all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecutions. Those things at the time seem like bad and difficult things. But God has a purpose, a reason in that. He's working that for good. He's working it for our good and for his glory. And that was the case even Joseph being sold into slavery. And then God assured Jacob in going down to Egypt, I'm going to work it for good. Notice Genesis forty-six three. God says to him, I am the God, the God of your fathers. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt. I will also surely bring you up again, which the psalm here speaks of. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. So they go down into Egypt. And then absolutely, as it says here, they're in a people amongst a people of a strange language. Again, they speak Hebrew. The Egyptians speak another language. And at first, it started off very, very well. Joseph had great favor with Pharaoh. Jacob got great favor from Pharaoh. His brothers got great favor from Pharaoh. But eventually, that Pharaoh passed away. And he began to see these Hebrews multiplying and growing and gaining more strength, even in a foreign land, even in a place that was not familiar to them, And we know that then that next Pharaoh began to persecute them greatly. We know that he eventually enslaved them. And then it even came to the point where they had multiplied so much they were fearful that the Hebrews would overthrow them. And we know that Pharaoh gave the decree to to begin to kill their baby boys. You know, you talk about a, a, a great satanic movement oppressing them greatly when we know out of this israel begin to cry out i want to be delivered set us free from here in the midst of even that genocide he set aside a baby named moses who god would work and move in for the next 80 years who eventually would be the one who would deliver israel out of egypt again another type of christ a picture of our deliverer the lord jesus christ And so why they were under that impression, though God grew them and multiplied them and so forth, in the midst of a people that spoke a different language. And listen, there's an encouragement for us. As Christians, our language and our speech should sound at least a little bit different from the world's, the things that come out of our mouths. Indeed, we are called to wholesome speech, but more than that, we're called to have our speech to be seasoned with grace, to be a people who speak of the Lord, to be a people who give glory to god even in the midst of difficulty to be a people who worship god and so forth our language should sound different with that oftentimes there's opposition but even that opposition god will use to grow us i don't got time to read it but there in colossians 4 it's there in your notes paul's talking about being in prison but absolutely wanting to speak the words of Christ, knowing that I'm even here to represent the Lord, and then that's where the encouragement is given to us to let our speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer each one, to be a people who speak different. And I would just encourage you again, as we finish this year and go to the next boy, a great aim in life would be, I want more of God's word, God's speech into me through the scripture, that the speech that comes out of my mouth sounds different than the world that's out there. And look at, that's, that's not so that we're, we're self-righteous or we walk with a piety or, or we're holier than thou. But so people would even hear that, and it could be a catalyst that God would use to open the eyes to Jesus Christ. Look, at it's a world out there that desperately needs hope and desperately needs the Lord. And we need to be a people that are set apart. Again, not for our glory, not for us to shame people, or I can't believe he said that. Look, at people are going to say that, so don't think, I can't believe he said that. It's a world that desperately needs the Lord. We want to speak differently, though. So they would go, wow, you speak differently. What do you have that I don't have? Or that even if they're mocking that, when the time comes, when they're face down, they go, I'm going to go find that guy, that gal that speaks different because they have a hope that's evident in them that I absolutely need. It's time for us to shine brightly for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that starts by us drawing near and abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, God allowed them to go down to multiply them, to absolutely grow them even in the midst of heavy persecution. But listen, he allowed them to go down as well so that when they went out, they would see a picture of the Savior who would come out from them, the Lord Jesus Christ, and how he would make the way of salvation from our sin. Sin's the issue, man. Our sin separates us from God God set apart Israel, even multiplied them so the Savior of the world could come through her genealogy as the Holy Spirit would overshadow that virgin out of the house of Judah and absolutely atone for our sins, pay the penalty of our sins upon the cross of Calvary and resurrect from the grave and defeat the wages of sin, which is death, the second death, hell, so we could have eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read there in Exodus about all of the plagues and so forth that were brought by the hand of God as Moses, the Lord's voice, peace with the Pharaoh, and said, Let my people go. And remember, it's like, Who's God? Who's your God that I should let you go? Well, he found out who his God was through all those plagues and so forth. And then the last thing that delivered them was the Passover lamb, where the Lord had instructed the Israelites I want you to take a lamb into your home. I want you to befriend this lamb think about you know a a pet in your home i want you to befriend this lamb to take it in and then you need to slay this lamb the lamb wasn't wasted they would eat the lamb but they would take the blood of the lamb and they would put it over their doorpost and listen that was an acknowledgement we're sinners and we need to be covered by a sacrifice for our sin to be right with the living god because god is a just judge The wages of our sin is death. We need someone to die in our place. That's what the Passover lamb did. But listen, really, it was an IOU for the Son of God who would absolutely fulfill that. Because the blood of a literal lamb can't take away the sins of a literal sinner we needed a literal man to come and do that for us so they had that picture as they put the blood over their doorposts and finally pharaoh said get rid of them get them all out of here i don't want to see them again and the lord delivered them and again not only were they delivered out of egypt they got insight to christ who had shed his blood for us in fact at the beginning of the lord's ministry In John 1, 29, we see the declaration of John the Baptist. It says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So indeed, they went into Egypt to come out of Egypt, multiplied, grown, and with this picture of their savior who would come, who would shed his blood for them, who would shed his blood for us so we could be delivered even out of a world of strange language and brought into relationship with God Almighty by grace through faith in him. Is your faith in the Lord today? Can you say amen to that? God is good. Notice verse two here. It says, Judah became his sanctuary. We're in a sanctuary this morning and we've gathered together to worship God. So Judah became his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. So the Lord came to dwell there with Israel and Judah and Israel where they would worship him, where they would dwell with him. And absolutely, had called them out of Egypt to now bring forth the Lord Jesus, who as well would be delivered out of Egypt. Again, we know that this is that time of the year where we especially remember the Lord's birth. Now again, we don't know exactly when he was born. There are theologians that absolutely insist it's December 24th. Many others say in the spring. I think that's a mood point. I'm just glad he was born and he came, amen? So that's a glorious thing. But indeed, we do know he came according to the prophetic word. We looked at last night that even after Adam sinned in the garden and death set in, spiritual death, physical death began to set in, We know that that promise was given that through the seed of the woman, the Savior would come, the serpent would bruise his heel, but the Savior would crush his head. And in that simple verse there in Genesis 3.15, we see the virgin birth as well as the cross of Calvary. As the Spirit would overshadow, again, the Virgin Mary of the house of David out of Israel, but Christ would come without a sin nature. And we know on the cross, indeed, his... his his heel would be bruised, but he would absolutely crush the serpent's head. Well, when the Lord was birthed in the due time, according to God's timeline, we know that there was a king there in Judah who was under the Roman Empire who knew of the Savior who was gonna come. Herod, he was actually half Jewish as well as he was a half Edomite or descendant of Esau he didn't worship the god of heaven he used judaism when it was convenient for him but he wasn't a worshiper of the god of heaven but he knew this savior was prophesied to come and they remember wise men came from the east who were learned in the scriptures and that goes back to even daniel's uh uh, position back with the persians and so forth he influenced these wise men and generations later they knew of the gospel through daniel the gospel was spread in many parts of the world and they came there to bethlehem knowing the scriptures knowing what it take place seeking the king to bring him those gifts to worship the lord and when herod got word of it he tried to get insider information where's this king at when you find him come tell me so i can worship him too but really his intent was go to go and try to kill the lord jesus christ Why? Because he wanted to be Lord. He wanted to be, again, God. His own God, he thought he was a God. Oh boy, men get really foolish. Sin makes you really, really stupid. And instead of yielding to the Savior who would die for his sins, he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to kill that Savior. I don't want him on my life. I don't want him in anyone else's life. I want to get rid of him. But guess what? You can't get rid of the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of the world. We know that again god knew what was going to unfold just as the lord knew that famine was going to unfold and i love it god's so good at giving his people insider information even right now in this world it's just upside down and people are running around and so forth we got insider information we know as followers of christ the lord's with us to the end of the age We know the Lord said, I'll provide for all your needs according to my riches and glory. And on top of that, we know the day is coming soon when our Lord is coming back. And the scripture says, we'll rule and reign with him forever and ever and ever. What glorious insider information. All these things unfolded were prophesied they would unfold. There's great peace in that. Well, again, the Lord knew what, what the King Herod was going to do. And notice there in your notes, Matthew 2:13 it says now when they had departed behold an angel of the lord appeared to joseph in a dream saying arise take the young child and his mother and flee to egypt and stay there until i bring you word for herod will seek the young child to destroy him when he arose he took the young child his mother by night and departed for egypt And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord the prophet, saying, and notice here, out of Egypt I call my son. That's a multi-layered prophecy. First of all, it's what we're looking at in Psalm 114, when God literally called Israel after being there for 400 plus years out of Egypt. It's also a prophecy concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, who would take refuge in Egypt, most believe for a couple years and then be called out of Egypt, back there into Israel, into the Holy Land, where eventually he would fulfill his earthly ministry, all the way to the cross of Calvary, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. And again, already laid this out at the beginning. Why did he do that? Why did he go in Egypt and come out of Egypt? To absolutely make that way for us to come out of Egypt and enter into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, into a holy land, so to speak, or into a holy walk with the Lord. Notice Colossians one thirteen, it says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness, and conveyed unto us the kingdom of his son, his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. How did Israel here in Psalm 114 leave Egypt? It was through the shed blood of that Lamb. That's what got them out of that land of bondage. How do we get out of that place of being in sin and being in that place where we'll be judged from a life for a lifetime of sin, which will absolutely put us in eternal hell? There's only one way, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ who laid down his life for us, who took the wrath to us, who absolutely we know life is in the blood. When we put our faith in him, we get covered by his life. Just as they were covered by that blood, we became covered by his blood. And the Father now sees us forgiven and washed. And we get deliverance even from the grip of the enemy who brings death. And we are absolutely put in the hands of the son and the father never to be snatched out is that not good news on this christmas morning again we're also delivered out of a people who now we're amongst them but we're not of them who have a strange language we should speak differently we're delivered out of our damnation sin and out of our old life and identity Notice 1 Corinthians 6, 9. It says, Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Hear this this morning. Do not be deceived. We are not righteous outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all sinners. He says, Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. He says, do not be deceived. Do not take God lightly in any of these matters. Those who practice such things, who pursue such things, who pursue sin, who shun Jesus Christ, who say, I want to live the way I want to live. In fact, I'll even say God endorses the way that I live when he does not. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. But notice verse 11, and such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. When we put our faith in Him, we're washed, we're cleansed. And then absolutely... The Bible says that's what we were. Let's find out who we are now in the Lord and start living that way. And listen, there may be struggles in some of these areas, but we never embrace them. We never identify ourselves in them. We know I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I've been delivered out of Egypt's grip through the, through the work of the cross of Calvary. And we stand in that unashamedly. In fact, any other message is a false Christ, 100%. Jesus came to save us, to set us free, to make us a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you hear anyone else putting these titles on believers, they are a liar peddling untruths that are not from God Almighty. And you need to know that and stand in that in this day when there's so much perverse doctrine that is flooding in, trying to deceive people and lead them astray. Notice verse 3. It says, The sea saw it and fled. Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams. The little hills like lambs. And then it says, What else you, O sea, that you fled? O Jordan, Jordan that you turned back. O mountains that you skipped like rams. O little hills like lambs. Tremble, O earth." Look at when this happened, when God delivered Israel out of Egypt, the Red Sea, it literally, it literally split. Forty years later, they would go into the promised land in Joshua. We've been looking at that on Wednesday night. The Jordan River would literally split and they would pass through. They've gone from 70 now to estimates of 2 million plus 2 to 3 million people some look at this and they try to explain it away well it was low tide there you know on the red sea and at a certain time there's a pathway you can walk through and i always point out listen then how did the egyptian army you know drown in six inches of water and we know it says specifically in the book of joshua when the jordan split that it was at high tide it was in the spring when All of the snow was mounting off Mount Hermon. And the Jordan River, which was much larger back then, was absolutely overflowing. But the God split it, and they walked through. Interesting, we get insight here into verse 4. When those things happened, the mountains also skipped, and the little hills skipped. And listen, in context, that literally happened. That's not figurative talk because we know the Jordan literally split and the Red Sea literally split. So we get insight to the mountains skipping and the hills skipping as well when that took place. Guys, this is called a miracle, and we have a God who does miracles. We have a God who can... You know, it invade time and space and do whatever he wants to do. Some people say, Well, I can't believe in God because I know a virgin can't get pregnant. Yeah, guess what? That's called a miracle. That's the Lord moving. In fact, life itself began with a miracle when God spoke forth the universe into existence. When he took dirt and he breathed life into it, and ta-da, you got man. That's the Lord working and moving. And again, even Science itself tells us life can only come from life. And it all starts again with the move of God Almighty and his hand. Think about the greater miracle that would come next. though. again, his resurrection when the earth would shake. And know this, as Israel dwelt there in that land and they dwell there again, eventually the Lord is coming back and he will rule and reign over that land forever and ever eventually a new jerusalem will come down and christ will be part of that and there could be a whole lot of shit can go along when he when when he comes back in fact we read there in romans 8 and verse 22 we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we, are, we, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. This world's ready for the coming of the Lord. The question is, are you ready? Because He came the first time. I guarantee you, He's coming the second time. In fact, I pointed out many times. There's five times more prophecies about His second coming. And maybe this morning, like, oh no, I got I need to get ready. Then call upon the Lord Jesus call upon him ask him to be the lord of your life again he asked the question what ails you will see that you fled oh jordan that you turned back oh mountains that you skip like rams oh little hills like lambs you know what we read next that the whole earth trembled what was that which caused all that to happen the presence of the lord it was god coming and just basically saying split and it was split shake and it shook tremble and it trembled at the presence of god Look at everywhere in Scripture where we see men coming to the presence of God and the sense that's being put forth here. They tremble, they shake, they fall on their face. None of them dare stand up and say, God, I got a bone to pick with you. The earth has a fear of the Lord. And we do well to have a fear of the Lord as well. Don't downplay the Lord. Don't downplay the judgment of God. Don't downplay Christ coming into this world living a sinless life, and dying on the cross for you. That's the only way to be right with him is by faith in him. And we're living in a time when people just downplay sin and rebellion and the holiness of God. That's why there's so many that even mock hell because, oh, God would never send anyone to hell. He's like us. God is holy. No sin will enter into glory whatsoever. Look, at we're in a messed up world because of man's sin. God is not taking it in there, but he's, the, he's made the way to be forgiven. He's made the way to be washed. He's made the way to be set free. Again, it is through his shed blood and the work that he has done for us. And listen, that's the good news. And I just encourage you as a follower of the Lord, as we've been talking about a lot in Psalms, as the, the, the sea and the mountains and the earth tremble, that we know our God loves us, but we also, as they exhibit in this a fear of the Lord, that we have a fear of the Lord as well. 1 Peter 1, 17. If you call on the Father who without partiality judges each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Notice, knowing you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So again, The sea, the mountains, the earth trembled at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob. We'd be wise as well to embrace our God, to know he loves us, but also, again, have a fear of the Lord. We've talked about it much. Remember, we talked about fire, a healthy fear of fire. I don't put my hand in it lest it burns me. I know there's consequences if I cross certain lines that shouldn't be crossed but at the same time i rejoice because that fire heats my food and it absolutely heats my home and so forth it produces an energy how much more with god yes he'll correct us he says don't do this or that because it's to our demise but he's saying that because he loves us what a good god that he loves us enough to say don't do things that way my ways are better and then on top of that again he laid down his life for us finally verse eight It says, of another miracle, he turned the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a fountain of water. And we know that when Israel came out of Egypt, they were 40 years in that wilderness. You talk about a miracle, two, three million people provided for for 40 years in a wilderness. And they were even out there because of their lack of faith. But praise God, he's patient with us. He absolutely, you know what, is long-suffering with us. And we know on multiple occasions, they had no water, at one point, God said, strike that rock, Moses, and water will flow out. And we read later in the New Testament, it says there in 1 Corinthians 1, 3, for they drank of that spiritual rock that flowed, uh, that followed them, and that rock was Christ. The Lord was the one that provided for them every step along the way. And I'll tell you, the Lord delivers us, not to leave us on our own, but to provide for us at every single turn. And when we think about you know what water coming forth i think the greatest gift he gives to us here on earth is the presence of his holy spirit and the lord says that those that will believe out of their lives will flow what torrents of living water and that absolutely comes about when we are a people abiding in him seeking him first a people saying i want to be set apart for the lord i want to live for the lord i want to honor the lord i told you i'd be 30 minutes and boom i'm right on point let's stand up and close in prayer and then we have the last couple songs and we want to sing them heartily to our god amen Amen. we want to sing praise to him and give him thanks on this uh glorious day what a beautiful day out there huh it's beautiful heavenly father we just thank you we praise you oh lord god we just thank you for invading this earth (laughs) We thank you for doing what you said you were going to do. We thank you, Father, that the Holy Spirit overshadowed the virgin. And Jesus, we thank you that you took on the form of a man while being God. What, what, what an amazing truth. We thank you that you came down here and even subjected yourself to very humbling circumstances. Not only being born in a major, but having to flee to Egypt. And we thank you, Lord, that absolutely, Lord, you return out of Egypt to make that way for us, to be washed, to be forgiven, to be out of Egypt, so to speak, and to be in right standing with you. You're so good to us, God. Oh, let us be found a people unashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Let us remember that, Lord, you order our steps. Let us remember that you're with us to the end of the age. Let us rejoice in you this day. And hear this this morning. If you don't know the Lord, we've spoken a lot of sin and judgment. Maybe you're like, I didn't come expecting that. Well, listen, that's bad news. Indeed, I agree with you. But boy, it makes the good news so good that Jesus has made the way for you to be forgiven, for you to be right with the Heavenly Father. This is the most important message you'll ever hear. Is He your Lord? Have you called on His name? The Bible says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord, will be saved. Whoever is all of us here, whoever is the person who has committed rank, ongoing sin all of their lives, it's also the blinded person who thinks, well, I'm good enough before God. None of us are, but Jesus has made the way. Look at calling on the name of the Lord. It's more than just, I say a prayer, then go back to my way of living. It's calling upon Jesus to be the Lord of your life. It's recognizing I'm a sinner. I no longer want to serve, as the Bible calls it, the God of my belly. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I believe you died for me. You rose from the grave. And I want to put your my faith in you and be, be forgiven and washed. And know that I know that I know that you're my Lord, God and my King, and I have an eternal hope in you. Listen, if you have not called upon Christ, now's the time. I just so encourage you, even as we stand here together in your heart right now, ask him to forgive you. Ask him to wash you. Ask him to be the Lord of your life. And Lord, any in that place, meet them where they're at even right now. Lord, we want to worship you as we close. Lord, we want to, Lord, as I mentioned, we want to heartily lift our voices to God Almighty. Let's finish well here this morning together and give praise to our God. So was beautiful. Aren't you glad you came to church today? This is just a couple things, and and you guys are welcome to fellowship and 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 hang out and so forth. Uh, go home and open presents, eggnog, whatever you want to do. Uh, but listen, right outside the 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 not the double doors, but the back door in between the patio and the foyer here, we have a shelf, and there's Bibles on that shelf. If you don't have a Bible, please grab a Bible. Especially if you pray to receive the Lord this morning, start reading the Word. Start in the Book of John, and we would absolutely love you to to join us next Sunday for fellowship. Also, listen if you guys got people coming over that don't know the Lord. Anyone here having people come over that don't know the Lord? First of all, we gave those activity books out to the kids. You're welcome to take. You know, you got three, four kids coming over to take more of those. If there's some left, I know out under the table here. There's a box. So feel free to take those. And then also on that same shelf, there's gospel tracts. There's one called The Greatest Story Ever Told. There's another Christmas-themed one called Humbug, and all of them about the gospel. Encourage you, grab a few of those. Throw it out on your coffee table. Pass it out. Go through it with your guests. Share the Lord with people. Read Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. Just a short recap of Christ's birth and why he came. So some... some evangelism tips for you as you leave here on christmas morning god bless you guys pray you have a wonderful day and week in the lord jesus christ